Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard. Hi, welcome to today's Irish Tech News Podcast. Today in the podcast, I'm talking with John Hartnett, the founder and CEO of SVG Ventures and Thrive. How are you doing, John? Hey, Ronan. Very good. And you? I'm not too bad, thanks. Now, tell us a bit about your what your background because you've got a wide and varied journey in the tech industry. Yeah, um, I'm obviously based here in Silicon Valley and been here for the last 20 years. Um, originally from Ireland, uh, originally from Limerick originally, and uh, worked in Dublin uh, for about eight years before I moved over to the US uh, in the late 90s. And um, I've been pretty much in technology all, all my career. I was at a company in Dublin called Claris, which is a wholly owned subsidiary of Apple and being part and running the operations there. And then um, I was uh, moved to a company called Meta Creations in Dublin. I ran that, ran their international operations out of Dublin, um, where we ran all the operations, uh, you know, localization, engineering, development. And um, and then I moved over to the U.S. to run this uh, Meta Creations in, uh, in the U.S., worldwide and um, found myself uh, in Silicon Valley uh, in 98 and um, after that um, I got a phone call from the founders of Palm. Palm, you might remember, invented the smartphone. Yep. Uh, the original uh, equivalent at, in the 90s was the PDA um, and the Palm Pilot was the leading product and we had a vision to uh, invent a smartphone, which is obviously in everybody's hands today, but it wasn't back in the 90s. And it was very exciting to join that company. Um, we started as a, you know, you know, effectively like a startup. And um, we grew the company. We IPO'd for about three and a half billion in 2001. And um, we grew the company in revenue to about four, four and a half billion. Um, I was uh, working there running all the operations, uh, service support, and uh, and also running all the global markets, uh, you know, there. So that was been uh, a big part of my uh, of my career. I spent nine years there. A very exciting nine years, going from kind of ground zero with a company to a, a multi billion dollar company. So it was a phenomenal experience uh, to do that, and also kind of at a at a time when you know the whole way we communicate. Uh, you know, was kind of taking place in terms of uh, people's ability to be able to, um, you know, being able to have a smartphone didn't exist. And, you know, that was kind of a, the, the exciting part of that. And, um, you know, in 2010, I set up SVG Ventures. Uh, SVG Ventures is an investment firm. We, we invest in early stage companies. Um, and we also run an accelerator called Thrive which is focused around the whole agri-food tech area. So technologies that impact um, the food supply chain, uh, whether it's in field or right through to the consumer, is where we're focused on. Um, we've invested in about 40 startup companies uh, from around the world. And um, our Thrive Accelerator was recognized last year as the number one accelerator in the world. And Crunchbase uh, recognized us a couple of weeks ago as the most active uh, ag tech investor in the world uh, as well. So we've kind of had a, quite a, a varied, uh, you know, you know, history there. And 
I, uh, during my time over here, I was uh, still keeping my connections with Ireland. I founded the Irish Technology Leadership Group, which is a group of Irish and Irish American leaders um, in the technology space. Did that about uh, 13 years ago. Um, really, I, I, you know, being an Irishman living in Silicon Valley, um, it was interesting to see various different networks and how various different diasporas connect into their countries. And I felt it was a great opportunity to kind of build a stronger linkage uh, with the West Coast and, and Ireland um, and Irish entrepreneurs. So we've been, we've been uh, you know, running that as a, as a not-for-profit, kind of a, my, my night job yeah. uh, over the course of the last uh, you know, number of years. And um, one of the most exciting things we, we, we've done there is we do a, a young innovator event where we host a an event with uh, Limerick Institute of Technology at Shannon Airport, and we have about a thousand kids from across the country, and we do a, a full day of uh, kind of like a a, a Dragon's Den style uh, scenario, yeah. and we bring the bring those winning kids then over to Silicon Valley to give them a taste of uh, what happens here. So that's kind of one of the things there, and then. You know, obviously, the last thing in terms of my engagement with Ireland, um, uh, I, I'd been on the board of Aer Lingus for a number of years prior to the um, the, the sale or the uh, merger with uh, IAG. So uh, it was very interesting there. I, I chaired the technology subcommittee with the board there and was very much involved on both the technology and the marketing side as well. So um and I kept my feet on the ground in Ireland uh, yeah. while I'm over here at the same time. Well, I guess basically because whenever I've been abroad, if you're Irish, you're welcome with open arms anywhere you go. And it's a good network to have. It's like having an American Express Go card. Wherever you go, they say, yeah, come on in. What can we do for you? Yeah, I mean, it definitely is. I mean, obviously, the Irish brand is incredibly strong here across the U.S. I think when I came out in the 90s, um, you wouldn't have had the same level of, of activity on the West Coast. You know, a, a lot of the Irish, Irish America was more historic, you know, being kind of Boston, Chicago, uh, New York, and, you know, the, the traditional Irish American. Yeah. And that was one of the things we wanted to do was, is almost like re, reshape the view of Ireland uh, over here while we were working with the Irish Technology Leadership Group because... Um, the great thing that we have is Ireland has a great brand, but it's the, it's, the, it's the historic brand that is probably more aware to most Irish Americans rather than the future brand of Ireland being a technology and innovative country and also being kind of a Silicon Valley of Europe. And that was something that we kind of felt very proud of, um, but it wasn't necessarily the message that most Irish Americans would have been aware of. And uh, that was kind of a, an exciting thing. It's certainly a card that you can do to open doors. But I think at the same time, you know, with every entrepreneur, with every individual, in the end of the day, you can open a door, but ultimately it's that individual's ability to be able to get something done or, or, or make it happen. It all gets down to that individual's uh, credibility. So I think an Irish uh, card is good, but it just gets you to the door and you have to take it from there as an individual or a company. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier about Ireland being the Silicon Valley. I remember years ago when Apple first went to court, my, my cousin used to work there. And then he got like digital move to here with Microsoft and IBM. 
And then nowadays you've got all the big tech companies are now moving to moving to Ireland as, as the EMA headquarters. So we, we've proven that we're actually a good place to invest in as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the track record of Ireland and, and obviously the IDA have done a tremendous job uh, attracting, you know, the world's uh, leading companies. Obviously, a number of these are, are here in the US. You know, I think probably 40% plus of inward investment is coming from the West Coast of the United States, you know, whether it's, you know, here in, in Silicon Valley or, or Seattle. And Ireland has built a great reputation in terms of both the talent um, that's there and also the ease of doing business. And obviously it's a, you know, it's a competitive nation in terms of, um, you know, both footprint and also the, the tax situation. Sometimes that gets eclipsed by the bigger areas that we have an advantage on, which is, I think, ultimately the talent uh, you know, here in Ireland, you know, so I think um, it's been, I, I would be very much like yourself, Ronan, you know, I would have been around in those early days when it would have been, say, the, the, the Apples and the Microsofts, etc. And uh, and certainly in the 90s and, and the noughties, I think things have kind of slipped into a whole new gear um, in terms of just a, the sheer volume of companies and cloud-based companies, social media, obviously, you know, the LinkedIn's, the Facebooks, the Googles, etc. has been tremendous. Uh, you know, for Ireland, I think um, one of the areas that you know I think is important is many of the operations that are set up in Ireland are, are the operating parts of of companies distinct from the product development or R and D. And I yeah. think there's certainly been some good wins there. And I think you know reshaping our you know the, the companies that come to Ireland not just for operating reasons, but but for um, Research and development, I think, is a is a is a great opportunity for us to, to to build from where we are. You know, I remember forty years ago, the company was started and was two three years old in America. They wouldn't think of moving to Ireland. Where nowadays you get a startup that's done so well in America in two three years, they're in Ireland. Times have changed in a good way. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, the great thing that's that's happened, it's become a two way thing. You know, it's not just. Are, you know, U.S. companies coming to Ireland. It's also great entrepreneurs, you know, like the Collison brothers coming over here and, you know, running one of the most exciting and largest uh, companies in the fintech area with, with Stripe. So, you know, I don't think, um, you know, Ireland is in the one-way street. And then obviously in the whole food and agriculture sector, um, you know, you have the likes of Arnua um, and, and big you know, uh, you know, food companies that are employing a lot of people over here in the U.S. as well. So, I think it's a it's a great um, kind of two way relationship now. You know. Yeah, and also you're now more involved in architect, and I guess that's going to face challenges now with the current pandemic. Yeah, I mean, you know, like the big picture in terms of you know why why is this an important area of investment and why is it an important area for for innovation? Um, it really starts with you know kind of the, the macro picture and, the, and and the challenge that the world is kind of dealing with. Um, you know, our world population is going to grow from seven and a half billion people to ten billion people by twenty fifty. That means we have to feed two and a half billion more people. So immediately, you know, you're dealing with an increase there. The second thing is that the consumer is changing dramatically. You know, 50% of the world's population today is either Gen Z or, or millennial. And, and, and their, you know, you know, th their habits and their buying behavior is very different than, you know, old guys like me, for example. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, historically people were buying food based on taste. 
um, today it's, it's, it's more about health and nutrition. So supply chains become very, very important. And at the same time, you've got, you know, scarce resources in terms of water, land. I know water isn't a problem in Ireland, but it's a problem in lots of places around the world. Um, but, you know, there's 50% less land, arable land in the world. And also, you know, you're dealing with a major climate change. We're dealing with wildfires here that we've never seen uh, the likes of in the past, uh, you know, couple of years. And, you know, we're seeing, you know, all parts of the world being affected by, by climate. And, you know, I think if you look at those big macro pictures that you have to produce more with less, you have to do it sustainably, you have to um, you deal with some of these, these scarce resource issues. You can't solve this by doing the same. You can only solve this by innovation and changing and that's why we got really excited about this as a space about eight years ago when we kind of looked at that investment thesis of, of that supply demand and, and the challenges that are there. And today, you know, um, venture capital investment in, in the agri-tech space and the food space, you know, right across that food supply chain, it's, it's grown, you know, from $2 billion to $20 billion in, in the last, uh, you know, six years. So there's significant investment going in there. And, you know, look, we're all sitting at our homes right now um, you know, dealing with a pandemic um, that is probably one of the biggest, you know, would be one of the biggest events of this century. Um, and that has actually placed more emphasis on the food supply chain. You know, people are experiencing or have experienced, you know, empty retail stores or people are much more aware of where their food is coming from. And the acceleration of certain trends that have happened due to COVID, you know, home is the new place. It's the new place to work. It's the new place to dine in. It's the new place to order your food. So marketplaces and deliveries and online, you know, has probably accelerated five years from where it was uh, pre-COVID. And, you know, the area of robotics, automation, AI um, is, you know, has already been, been growing, but you know, embracing technology that can ensure that our food is properly, you know, you know, treated through the whole supply chain is key. I think we've all experienced over here in the U.S. and I know in Ireland, the whole area, the whole meatpacking uh, area with COVID is a, is you know, is and an, is is very concerning for for consumers. So obviously, the you know technology here that can actually, you know you know, make this more automated and also, you know, less hands in the process, if you want to look at it like that, um, is a good thing in terms of food safety. Um, so all, all these areas, you know, I think the pandemic, um, you know, will change our lives, you know, for, forever. Um, and I think the food supply chain is probably the most important supply chain on the planet because it's the food supply chain that puts food on our family table. And that is important to every person and every country in the world. I can see soon we're going to get factories where they're going to grow food in them, like grow plant-based meat, etc., in, in, in factories instead of actually culling cows. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's pretty interesting. The whole area of next-generation proteins um, has really accelerated in the last, uh, you know, couple of years. And it's driven, obviously, by a consumer who's health-conscious. And, and, and looking for nutrition. And, you know, you look at, say, a company like Beyond Meat. Uh, Beyond Meat didn't exist 10 years ago. Um, so in 2010, they didn't exist. And they IPO'd last year for $3.8 billion. And their current valuation is over $10 billion. 
there are food companies and some of the biggest food companies in Ireland that have taken 50 years to get to a billion. Yeah. So you just kind of look at the scale and the speed of, of, of what's happening here, you know, in this space is, is, is pretty amazing, is pretty amazing. And then going back to your point in terms of uh, indoor farming, the whole area of vertical farming or controlled environment farming um, or con- controlled environment agriculture. Um, I, I think this is going to be the internet of farming for the future. You know, it, you know, we've all talked about, you know, from field to fork. Or what about if if the field was in the supply chain or, or closer to the consumer, and you were able to grow more with less, and you were able to do that in a healthy environment and in a controlled environment? So I think this is a, a really exciting area for the future as well. And companies like Plenty, who are here in South San Francisco, and companies like Aero Farms. You know, they've received, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of, of venture capital investment. And I think you're going to see some some big changes in the supply chain driven by companies like that and also the whole area of next generation proteins. Well, for me, a fun thing was early in the year, late last year, uh, Burger King launched in Ireland in the UK a meat-free burger. But it tasted, they say it tastes like, like, a, like a proper Whopper. You couldn't tell the difference. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not a big burger eater, and yeah. you know, um, there's obviously a lot of garnishings that go on there as well. But um, I think, in the end of the day, I think if you can produce products that are healthier, less calories, and good for you know, you know, you know, for the for, for the planet, I think that's going to be a trend that's not going to stop. It's going to accelerate, and it already is accelerating. You know, in, in the current environment. I think because we're now becoming more eco-friendly compared to 30, 40 years ago. And as we're doing that, we're going to try and find new ways to make sure that we can nurture food with a harmony environment. Yeah, you know, I'd mentioned earlier that, you know, 50% of the world's population is Gen Z and, um, and millennial. Um, you know, a lot of the analysis that we've looked at, you know, with this demographic, um, they will buy products based on... Uh, the brands that are representing um, a sustainable supply chain, they will buy. They will buy brands that are making an impact in the world by using less plastics and using less um, processing in, in, in the uh, in, in the in the supply chain. So you know, consumers can change an entire supply chain by the demands and the way they are going to behave. And I think. There's a greater awareness, as we mentioned earlier, in terms of climate change. There's a greater awareness associated with sustainability um, with everybody now. And I think this is going to be a trend that's going to change, um, you know, a lot of the packaging that's being used. It's going to change the way we, we, we farm using less inputs and pesticides, etc., and it's going to change the way, you know, we, 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 we look at our food and, and look at brands. And, you know, it's, um, I looked at an analysis there earlier this week around plastics. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm going to call it out where, you know, the number one company that in the world that is, you know, putting more plastics into, into this environment is Coca-Cola, followed by PepsiCo. Yeah. I think these companies, you know, are going to have aggressive plans to to change that but you know this is some of the evolution that's going to happen over the next couple of years well i can see in the future plastics bottles been standard and been biodegradable so they can be recycled and reused yeah um you know i mean, i think europe has been 
much further ahead with you know the both the awareness and the activities around reducing plastics in uh, in the supply chain than say the US for example um, the US is certainly um, you know move forward a lot more I I, I was honored to um, announce the innovation agenda um, with Secretary Purdue who's the um, I guess the Minister for Food and Agriculture USDA uh, in the US and you know, one of the key goals um, that has been outlined is is uh, reducing the environmental footprint by fifty percent. Uh, you know, by by twenty fifty, and also reducing waste in the supply chain. You know, th- these were goals um, that weren't you know as uh, as strongly emphasized in the past. And you know, as part of this, when we launched this in DC earlier uh, this year in February. You know, it's great to be able to see the U.S. now really kind of, you know, um, focus on focusing on these. And I think we, you know, U.S. has got a lot to learn and follow, you know, from what Europe is doing as well. And also I can see right now stuff like drones are going to be used more in farming because with drones, you can actually take a view and see what's happening uh, uh, from above rather than have to drive out and look manually and it takes a bit longer. Yeah, I mean, I think it's you're seeing a 360-degree view of a field now. Yeah. Um, it's not just drones, absolutely drones, but it's also satellite imagery. It's uh, IoT sensors in the field. So you really are able to kind of have that, you know, uh, what I call 360-degree view of, of the field. And that helps, you know, th- that data is providing more information to be able to use less water, less pesticides, and produce more with less. So this is very, very powerful stuff. Um, you know, certainly, you know, with big farms, you know, they're running, you know, they're running a business. Economics are very, very important. And if they can reduce their costs, uh, you know, with technology, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's, it's going to really kind of springboard uh, these technologies to be adopted, you know, worldwide. And also I'm thinking of long-term, right? I think of when you, you come harvesters to harvest your wheat and all that. I can see them been been done by robotics. It's automatically does, does it for you. A lot of that has actually been done today. You know, I I, I think um, you know we're working with several robotic companies over here that have come through our program, um, and you know these are companies that are that are not like they, they can weed, they can pick strawberries. You know, yeah. like like the precision is just unbelievable. Um, and, uh, you know, certainly here, you know, the whole berry industry, we work with a company called Driscoll Berries. They're the largest berry company on the planet. And, you know, picking berries is a backbreaking, um, you know, exercise if you see it here in the fields in California. So being able to use automation here is going to enhance the whole, you know, you know, situation, not just about productivity, but, you know, being able to take some of that manual labor and, you know, you know, and, 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 and do it with robotics. And at the same time, those people that are doing that get trained to run those robotics, yeah. you know what I mean? So I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good thing overall. It's a bit like those, uh, lawnmower robots you get that, that mow your garden. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you look at, uh, I mean, some of this is there already, you know what I mean? Depending on your garden, of course. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, th- th- this is, th- this is, uh, the, the early, you know, the, the, the first mile in the marathon or the early, 
part of some of the robotics automation that we're starting to see some of this, uh, you, know, you know, today. So when you're investing in architecture, are you looking at that kind of area and uh, what you think is going to be the future or, or what's happening right now? Well, um, it's, it's a bit of both. You know, we're, we're working with about 5,000 startups from about 100 countries, you know. So since we, you know, we were very early into the whole agri-food tech area yeah. um, about, you know, almost 10 years ago. And, um, you know, so we've developed the ecosystem, you know, you know, we're working with researchers, scientists all over the world. We're working with all these different entrepreneurs. So for us, what, what it helps us is we can kind of see emerging trends really, really early and areas of opportunity um, that, you know, that, uh, that warrant investment. So, you know, with, with that, um, that kind of colors our view in terms of where to, to make, the, make the investments. Um, I think, you know, if I look at some of the investments that we've made, um, you know, you know it, it's all about what is that technology solving? What's the problem it's solving? So, for example, you know, we just talked about the labor challenge. There's a major labor scarcity uh, over here in, in the agriculture sector. So the whole area of robotics automation and the integration of the robotics with AI and machine learning, um, making it an intelligent, um, you know, robot that's a hot area. We've invested in about five robotic companies uh, over that. And I see that's an area that's going to continue to grow uh, and, and accelerate. Um, you know, the, the, the area in terms of uh, sensors in the field and a software platform that's able to kind of understand your use of water, your use of pesticides, your use of various different inputs, um, that kind of a platform you know, those kind of platforms are, are areas that we're investing in because they're reducing the use of water, reducing the costs associated with running a business um, and running a supply chain. And, um, you know, that whole, you know, trans, you know, digital transformation of agriculture is kind of a revolution that's taking place right now. And, um, you know, this is, these are kind of key examples, you know, of that. We invested in a company called Farm X. Um, you know, uh, about two years ago, and they're a company that's precisely doing doing that work in here in, in, in California. And then, you know, the area of controlled environment agriculture, um, that, that this is a very hot area of investment, and, and that's an area where, where we're, we're, we're very much uh, focused on working on and with those companies there today. And then finally, um, you know, the, the, the whole area around um, biotechnology, you know, you know, these are, I mean, this is traditionally a, a lot of where innovation has actually happened in both the, the science, the biotech side as well. So you're seeing kind of a, a convergence of technologies between chemistry, biotech, and physics or, you know, um, software yeah. platforms, you know, coming together. Um, to, to solve some of these problems. And uh, I mean, great thing, one of the first companies that won our program um, back in oh, six years ago uh, was a company called Neurotas. Uh, it was relatively an unknown company at the time. And we had met Nora, who is the founder uh, from Dublin. And um, they have just, and they are doing exactly what I'd mentioned in there. They've, they've, they've had some incredible success. They've grown their company. Um, you know, I, I, I think they're probably about a hundred people now in Dublin. Yeah. Um, it's a company that's 
when we met them, there might have been a few million dollar valuation and now it's in the hundreds of millions of valuation. So it's great to see that Ireland is also kind of producing, you know, great, great companies. Another one that we invested in or work with in, out of Ireland as well as a company called Magro. They came through our program, uh, you know, as well. And again, they're a company that is reducing spray drift, um, you know, in, in the fields. And we, we work with them in terms of their U.S., um, um, you know, go to market and they participated as part of our program. And then there was a company called Microgen out of Carlo, um, a phenomenal uh, lady uh, that founded that company. And um, they have a, a China entity and a, and a, a Carlo entity and Microgen are, again, another great company to watch. And these are three companies that just came to our program over here in the U.S. And I'm guessing I'm thinking right now, earlier we talked about a bit about the pandemic. It gets a pandemic now makes sure another important thing to have to be able to uh, prepare for as well. So when you do developing these robotic programs and AI and all that, it's designed to minimize the uh, the uh, COVID spreading in, in, in a work facility or a factory or a farm, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I think, um, as I mentioned earlier, I think COVID is, 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 has changed our lives dramatically. It's tr- changed the food supply chain. It's actually highlighted problems in the food supply chain. And we need to build a more resilient supply chain that is, uh, is much more rigorous in terms of, you know, um, how it's managing food safety, traceability of food, etc. And you're going to see more automation, not less. You're going to see more robotics uh, in the supply chain, not less. And, um, you know, I think COVID has, I guess, you know, kind of shined a light on some of the, 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 the problems in the supply chain. And, you know, with problems come solutions and with solutions come tech companies and with companies come investment. So, yeah. you know, that's that's a whole cycle that's taking place right now. And I guess uh, I, I remember years ago in Superquin when they invented or they first brought out DNA tracing, they could tell you which that cow the meat came from. And that was a big thing. And nowadays I can see other things coming forward a bit like that. But guarantee when you get your food, you know where it came from. We might be able to tell you what factory came from, etc. And that it was in the factory that was COVID-free and had nothing else in there and robotically done as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a, that's a great thing you mentioned there, Ron. And I, I think it's going to be a little bit back to the future, yeah. uh, you know, for, for a lot of us. I, I used to always love going into 20 years ago, going into the local butcher and you'd see the chalkboard behind and it would say, this came from such a farm. And, you know, I had a, I had a good sense of that was a good, uh, good meat and it came through a good process. I think the 21st century version of that is, you know, you're going to have that on your iPhone or you're going to walk into a supermarket and you're going to look at a piece of vegetables, lettuce or whatever, and you're going to take out your phone and you're going to take an image of that and it's going to tell you where it came from, uh, does it have any traces of E. coli or pesticide, yeah. etc. And it's going to help you with your shopping. Uh, same thing with your meat. I, like this doesn't exist today, but I can tell you there are companies that are working on this kind of stuff. So I think the chalkboard will move to the iPhone that will, um, you know, basically tell you exactly where your food is coming from. Yeah. And people want to know that. And it's a, you know, I mean, it's 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 shocking in the 21st century that you know we kind of don't know where our food is coming from. Yeah, I mean, I've got, look at labels. I've got a scanner on my iPhone that tells me about wine. I can go and picture of a label, and it will tell me where the wine came from, if it was a good year or bad year, and gave me reviews of the wine. So I know before I buy it, if it's worth buying or not. 
So what you're saying with the meat is very similar. It can tell you what's good about it. it might even give you uh, reviews of that meat as well by, by somebody else, consumers saying, I cooked a great meat with this and what recipes to use, etc. And it was bad meat, why it was bad, etc. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we work with a number of wine growers over here. We work with the largest vineyard in the world, Gallo, vine, Gallo wineries. And, um, you know, I mean, part of it is is the process and, and, and where things come from. But, you know, I mean, obviously wine, there's a bit of kind of, you know, rom romance associated with it insofar as like, what's the history? You know, tell us about the family, tell us about the wine, tell us about the grapes and you know, it's a little bit of that story is part of the brand of when you're buying, you know, you know, wine and, and the more information you can get in a, in a bite-sized way, the better. And I think, um, likewise, the same thing is, you know, if I'm buying a nice, you know, whatever, you know, lamb chops or whatever, I'd like to know, oh, that came from, you know, wherever, County Offaly yeah. and this particular farm, it was grown you know, in, in, in this particular environment and, uh, you know, farmer Ronan uh, looked after, you know, yeah. you know, like all this is like data that we don't have today and it's going to make the whole buying process much more interesting. And also it's good to know because when you get wine, you always know, you can tell if it was a good year or bad year from the grape. So with the meat, you can tell if it was a good year or bad year as well with the meat, so you, which is nice to know as well. Yeah, but I, I think more importantly, you know, with, with, with meat is, um, you know, it, it's the food security, you know, side of, of this. It's how it was grown. How were the cattle fed? What were they fed with? Yeah. Um, you know, is it really organic or is it something that's a label on, 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 a, on a, you know, on a, on a package? So I think that, you know, this kind of information is really, really interesting. And, you know, I think it's going to inform our consumers more. And and consumers are hungry for information about this. And I think, again, going back to COVID, I don't want to kind of yeah. have this all about COVID. But, you know, people are, you know, they're much more aware of, like, where is my food coming from? What, are, what is the process it's gone through? And um, that is not going to change. I think it's going to get it's it's going to be something that's going to be standard requirement, and I think that's going to put a lot of pressure on the food supply chain to automate and embrace technology and, and digitize uh, yeah. faster. Well, I spent time in the age of ninety living living in, in in the UK and Scotland, and at the time it was during the BSE crisis, and we were looking at a local butcher had, had was organic butcher with their own farm. But there's certain places in the UK where you weren't guaranteed that and you didn't know where it came from and you couldn't guarantee that the, that the, the cattle were fed properly. So I can see this happening again now with, with, with the COVID. You've got to make sure it's fed properly, what's in it, and where, where it was reared as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, our new world is, 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 is you know, post-COVID is going to be where, you know, I mean, there's so many habits that are going to ch that are changing, you know, in terms of how we buy, where we're buying our food, you know, dining in versus dining out or, um, you know, travel, you know, has changed and is changing dramatically, you know, video and embracing kind of, you know, video and uh, digital platforms is, uh, is all happening. You know, uh, I like, 12 meetings, you know, in a day via Zoom, yeah. uh, people from Australia and, 
Canada and, and the US. And, uh, you know, in the past, I would probably have to travel there and it would take me weeks. So, you know, th- that's a bit of a silver lining, you know, less travel. Um, and I think in terms of the buying behavior and the food side, um, I think uh, people are, are being much more aware of where their food is coming from and they want to know more. And, and I think that's going to be a trend that will continue here. And a big trend for you in Ireland, we've got a company called, uh, have you heard of Aero Mana by Bobby Healy? He does deliver no, by drones. And he's got a deal now with Tesco's where Tesco deliver your food. I think it's in, it's in uh, Galway, delivering food from the shops to you by a drone, which is, I think it's going to change the world in a, in a, in a, in a good way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is something that, I mean, obviously, you know, I think five years ago, four years ago, Jeff Bezos from Amazon had talked about this uh, as a way that they're going to deliver. And I know that in Google X, again, kind of three, four, five years ago, they've been working on that kind of as a skunk work. So yeah. I mean, it's great to see these kind of things coming to life and becoming real. It's kind of hard to imagine you know, uh, seeing a drone coming down the street or up in the air to deliver your groceries. But uh, um, I think we're going to start seeing the, this kind of thing more and more. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, home is the new place. Home yeah. is the new place to dine, to shop, to do work. And, you know, post-COVID, um, are we going to be going out more? We probably are, but I think people are going to be doing a lot more. They're going to, they're going to embrace some of the, the efficiency of um of working from home and and doing business from home and shopping from home yeah and uh, before we finish off anything i want to add that you think is worth talking about like what you think uh, any more trends can you might see happening in the future i mean, I, I think we, we we chatted about you know about a lot of a lot of the trends you know here in certainly in the agri-food the agri-food area um i i i think that's what you're going to see is I think a lot of the technologies are out there today. Yeah. It's, it'll be more about the adoption of those uh, technologies. So, you know, like I'm talking about, you know, robotics automation and, you know, if you drive, you know, from Dublin to Limerick and you go through so many different fields, you don't see them there. So I think it's, it's more about the adoption that's going to, that's going to happen over the next five to 10 years and, um, you know, it's like the iPhone, you know, we invented the iPhone seven years before Apple, uh, you know, came out with it. But when Apple came out with it, now everybody is an iPhone. So it's uh, it's more the adoption of, of big brands uh, and, 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 and accelerating that. And I think you're going to start seeing more of the bigger tech companies coming into this space because it's so critical and so important. So, you know, the likes of Google, likes of Microsoft, um, you know, uh, the, the likes of Amazon, you're going to see these bigger companies. I mean, Amazon already very well entrenched in the food supply chain, um, you know, over here and, and, and so are Google. But I think you're going to see some of these bigger brands playing a bigger or bigger technology companies playing a bigger role, uh, you know, here, which I think is going to accelerate things and make it really, really cool. And you mentioned earlier about uh, Apple and Palm. I remember a few years ago, Apple bought, hired some of the former uh, Palm employees to update their iOS because iOS was getting bored and stale, and WebOS was a great system years ago. So they brought those guys on board to make it more funky and make it more modern. And I can see that's been good. And I've got to see more wearables been used in a positive way as well. 
Yeah, definitely. You're bringing back my past here. I remember having uh, we were having email battles with Steve Jobs about him stealing our our our, our engineers, and um, you know that was definitely something that there was quite a, a battle between our companies uh, at, at the time. And I think that um, you know you know wearables and um, you know I mean obviously you kind of go into the whole area of fitness and health yeah. another massive trend and um, you know I think this is going to be another really interesting area the whole area of IOT and how it integrates with your body and and you know measuring your vitals today you can do that on a, on a, on a watch but but what's next you know in terms of the, of this area this area because I think I think the whole area of health tech yeah. and that integration I think is another you know that would be an area that I'd definitely be keeping my my eyes on uh, as a, a great area of uh, investment and opportunity. Yeah, I've got an Apple watch that's about two three years old and the late one that came out earlier this month can now check your production level and that that to me every every couple of years you see something coming out like but also to go with the ECG things you couldn't you wouldn't think possible is now possible in these so in the future You'll have a mini doctor on, on your on your wrist, basically. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I had a situation during COVID here three weeks ago. My, I thought there was something wrong with my heart, but I yeah. couldn't go to the doctor at the time, or I didn't want to go into the hospital. And I contacted, uh, you know, our doctor in, in Stanford, and uh, she just said, uh, "Send me the PDF from your phone of your heart uh, rate and." I sent her that from my iPhone and she sent me back and said, John, everything's perfect. Don't worry. You're all good. And, you know, I mean, like th that was like a real world and, you know, experience. And, uh, I, I think, uh, that's, that's a good thing, you know, in terms of not having to kind of go to hospitals and go to, uh, you know, go to the doctor, um, uh, all around, you know, well, I just know, but three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I had a high heart rate and my watch was telling me this and my temperature was normal, but I was a bit worried about it. So I had to go to the hospital for, for four or five days to get it checked out, and everything's fine now. I've done various tests and no results next week, but it's not too bad. But I was thinking that the watch was able to tell me something wrong with me. I, I, I wouldn't have known because my temperature was fine. I wasn't I got fever, but it told me that. I went in, and luckily I went in just before we got a second wave of COVID, so it wasn't too bad. Yeah, I think... Um you know, going back to the whole uh, agri-food area, um, I think, um, I think, uh, as my mother used to say, you know, an, an ounce of prevention is worth a, a pound of cure. Yeah. I think um, food is 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 the medicine, and what you eat, and we'll obviously avoid a lot of this stuff. And it kind of goes back to knowing more about where our food comes from and what's good for you and what's not. And I think technology is going to help that at the very early stage. So you avoid a problem later on, but obviously, you know, technology can play a role in, in, in all parts of, uh, of, the, of the supply chain. And I guess it's also going to change fast food as well for the better in certain ways that we're not going to eat as much junk food anymore. Yeah, you've eaten, um, you know, impossible burgers and beyond meat burgers. Yeah. Uh, they're going to taste the same and they're going to be half the calories and, and good for you. It reminds me of Star Trek when you go and you want to get, you want to get food, they've got the machine there. But whatever you want, you can have it, and it creates it for you. We bit like that. Yeah, we we're involved in a robotics company uh, in in Mountain View here, and uh, they have a, ro a robot that would say sit in like a, a shopping mall, 
and it'll make your smoothies. So on your iPhone, you kind of you you pick out exactly yeah. what recipe you'd like, and this robot is kind of picking up all the different, um, you know, uh, either whatever vegetables, fruits, etc., and making it for you. And you go down and you and you pick you pick it up. Um, I think there's going to be more and more like you know solutions like that, uh, which would be which would be pretty cool. The only thing with Star Trek that I could always had a, a difficulty is is uh, the color of the food always look kind of funky coming out of these machines. Yeah. So at least it comes out and looks the, the same as normal that we're used to. I think it'll be adopted pretty well. Yeah. Thanks so much for that, John. And that was a great competition. And uh, good luck in the future with going on with the, with, the, with the fires and the pandemic. And hopefully it works out for you guys. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Ronan. Great to chat with you. Thanks. And um, be safe, be healthy. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll be able to meet soon yeah. and, and catch up in person. All right, thanks. Take care. Take care, bye. Bye.